Before we officially start this podcast, I want to remind everyone that the IB Sports podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to be notified of all podcasts from the IB Network. We would also appreciate it while you were there if you would rate and review it. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The Facebook group does have a premium membership that allows you to post without being approved by an admin. You can levy fines, be commissioner for a day, receive free gambling picks, and much, much more. And with that, we are back with another edition of the Team Turnbuckle podcast. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, my tag team partner extraordinaire, the typhoon to my earthquake, Ron L. Tinsley. Ron L., what's up, buddy? Brother, you really got to stop reading my mind. I swear to God, I literally was just thinking. I'm like, who is he going to call me? I'm like, I wonder if it's going to be like typhoon in the natural. And you did. It's like, yo, you got to get out of my head. I'm doing great. How are you? Man, I, I cannot complain. Uh, we, uh, you know, finished up, I guess it was Monday, the Ivy Sports Greatest Wrestler Ever Tournament. Not really a surprise that it was Steve Austin versus Ric Flair in the finals. Honestly, not really surprised that Austin went over. I was a little bit surprised that he won so easily. Uh, did did yes. you think the right guy won of those two? Absolutely not. <laughs> no way. I'm sorry. I Don't get me wrong. I love me some Stone Cold Steve Austin. But, uh, I mean, you measure the bodies of work. And, and maybe it's just because it's an ageism thing when it comes to this. But I, I feel that he doesn't even compare to Ric Flair. Well, and it's kind of ironic that, you know, that final vote was going on Monday. And then Monday night, a 71-year-old Ric Flair reminded us, uh, while he's still pretty damn good on the mic. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was, man. That was a oh, – and I'm, we're going to touch on that later. I can't wait for that. So let's get right into it. We're going to go off the top rope. Um Did I lose you? Okay. Nope, I'm Sorry here. about that. Technical difficulties. Uh, I was just saying with yeah. AEW, we're not going to go over uh, too much stuff. There's a couple of stories. We obviously can include it in the promo uh, match of the week and storyline of the week, but uh, we've already recorded a podcast since last Wednesday, uh, and today was the best day to get together. So it's going to be mostly going over Raw and SmackDown. Just wanted to give everybody a heads up on that, but – we will start with an AEW topic as Chris Jericho was trending on Twitter this week. His band Fozzie played two different events. Photos from the first event were on the internet. They showed people uh, without masks. Uh, they were not social distancing. There was obviously a lot of backlash, honestly, justified from uh, some that noticed that AEW took a lot of shots at WWE for their mishandling of COVID. And now one of their performers is putting himself and others within the company in a potentially dangerous position. Do you think that this is a big deal for AEW? Uh, it should be. Um, I am, you know, for the majority of the beginning of this year, when we launched this podcast, I've been one of Chris Jericho's biggest fans, especially as of recent. Um, but yeah, he's probably, you know, one of your top three biggest stars in AEW. And for him to have a show like this 
where they're not taking the proper precautions, regardless of the shots that uh, his wrestling company took at WWE. It's just not smart. And you're just putting not only yourself, your band, uh, all of those in attendance, but you're putting the future of your entire company at risk. And that's just no bueno. Yeah, I, it's not a good look. Let's put it that way. Um, I will say in Jericho's defense that the tickets were sold uh, to where there's there was supposed to be enough room for obviously six feet in between everyone. It was not a full venue. From what I read that everybody was supposed to have on mass. It's, it's kind of the issue in the country right now is whether or not people are going to enforce, uh, you know, these rules. And that uh, is where you can blame Jericho because he should know that he should have known that unless there was somebody there enforcing it, this was probably what was going to happen. And I just wonder, seriously, does he have to quarantine when he comes back to AEW? Because Moxley was extra precautious after Renee Young tested positive. You know, he missed a title defense because of it. So it would seem a little hypocritical for your biggest star to sort of get special treatment. And again, it's endangering the rest of your roster and potentially starting an outbreak, you know, at AEW. Yeah, we uh, and honestly, the company is too young for you to have any kind of uh, potential disaster like that. So, you know, you, you do better next time. Chris. I agree. So let's move on to some uh, more Twitter, this time some Twitter beef between Roman Reigns and Goldberg. It started when Reigns made fun of Goldberg for headbutting doors and other things before he entered the ring. Goldberg was on a podcast and responded. I want to do the entire quote because it's something. Roman, you're a joke, first of all. Second of all, when he ragged on me about headbutting the doors and stuff, you know, I never really explained my whole thought process process on that. For you guys to get the character that you got, I had to do certain things. Well, one of them was headbutt a door, right? And that may, on the outside, look like a stupid move. But as I mentioned, we all weigh the positives and negatives. So it's very positive to make it as violent as humanly possible and as real as humanly possible. And all the negative is you lose a little blood and, hey, man, you get another concussion and cut a week off your life. What? (laughs) What, What's he doing here? I I honestly don't know. I mean, it's okay if – Goldberg, uh, especially for what you were uh, when you uh, came on the scene, it's okay to uh, defend your character and things like that. That wasn't the most phenomenal explanation for it, though. Just, you know, you could have just said, hey, man, you know, I was just being super intense and just went with what was in the moment. And Okay, I had it butted a few doors, so what? You know, not the brightest thing, but, you know, it made for exciting television, didn't it? <laughs> like, oh, I, what you're doing, my friend, and um, it's, it, well, it's hilarious, at least, but uh, I just don't think that that was the proper way to really uh, defend uh, your coming out and your antics. Uh, all I could think of was from the movie Billy Madison. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. <laughs> At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having read it. I award you no points, <laughs> and may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, it just... I. I 
I just, <laughs> like seriously, I, I don't I don't know what to say. Um, I, you know, I heard that there was beef between them. I was like, oh, cool. This is potentially you know storyline. It's easy to forget that this was supposed to be the WrestleMania main event, and then obviously COVID happened. Right. Roman had to take time off. I think everybody's understanding of that. And I was personally looking forward to that match. I said when they were setting it up that I, I thought that made sense. Did I think that, you know, it needed the title? No, but I, I was really excited to be in spear versus spear generation versus generation. And then, you know, what Roman was saying was just kind of a witty little jab on a Twitter post. And then Goldberg's answer. I mean, like, I'm not even trying to make light of it, but it seems like he really has had a concussion, cut a week off your life and move on. Because I mean, uh, it, it's, it's hard to few. read. Uh, <laughs> Would you be excited, though, for this feud, uh, you know, when Roman does come back? You know, quite honestly, that was a little bit of what the lure of the potential of that match for WrestleMania was for me this past year. Like, I, I believe we did speak about how that would have been something to get people behind Roman at the very least. And quite honestly as long as Goldberg comes back and is continuing to work on himself as he has after seeing his debacle with the undertaker. Yeah, I'm for it. Let's do it. But you know, I, I wasn't, a, I wasn't of course a fan of his title, his short title reign, but if you can come in and go and you can give us that kind of match Goldberg, yeah, let's do it. Cause I know you, that you can talk this one up quite. quite one final well. thing. We'll move on from this worker shoot. Probably a shoot, but it would be it would be uh, it would be nice to find out it would okay. work. So sadly, the next news on off the top rope is Dexter Loomis is legitimately injured. The impressive front flip out of the ring that he did, I believe it was two or three weeks ago in the triple threat match with Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher. He will be out long enough to at least miss NXT uh, NXT Takeover. They're saying potentially longer. It's apparently a pretty serious injury. Uh, this is kind of a blow to NXT for what they were building with them, right? I think so. Um, I was really loving what they had going on with him and how they've been uh, carrying him. And it's amazing that he's one of those characters. He literally, I, he hasn't spoke, right? I, I can't, I, I can't can remember it. And he still manages to tell an amazing story. I love his, like at first I, I wasn't in love with it. It took me a few showings and, but I'm really behind what is going on. And so it is really saddening to hear. Hopefully, you know, when he comes back, they can get him uh, in that North American title picture with whomever was supposed to be. Yeah. There. I think that he definitely has been a success in NXT. I do wonder about his character when he gets to the main roster, We've seen some of these kind of different gimmicky characters have a lot of success in NXT and then really have issues kind of finding their footing in WWE. But, you know, hopefully maybe they have something in store for them. But either way, it's a shame that he's out, especially because it looked like he was getting a serious push. Yeah, uh, it really did look like he was at the very least going to be in this uh, a bigger player in this title picture. And I'm wondering if... Uh, Bronson Reed's going to slide into that, that spot. That will be interesting to see who, uh, you know, moves into that role. So let's move on to SmackDown, which actually had several interesting uh, segments 
the, to me, the, the most interesting segment and the kind of maybe the most interesting storyline now in wrestling is this Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss stuff. For the second straight week, they had an interaction. The Fiend appeared ready to give Alexa the mandible claw in the middle of the ring. Alexa basically took his hand, moved it away, kind of t- made it, you know, rubber hair almost, touch her face. And then the Fiend kind of backed away really quickly, like, you know, what was going on. Braun, right after this, gave a promo where he says he doesn't give a damn about Alexa. Um, it, it brings up a ton of possibilities. I mean, obviously, we could have the Alexa Fiend slash Bray thing uh, where there are a couple, which could be interesting, whether that means she's Sister Abigail or not. Who knows? Um, you could potentially having a, a double turn where, you know, Braun's saying he doesn't give a damn about Alexa. He's starting to show a little bit more heel tendencies. You can see the Bray or slash Fiend turn face. Um, are you enjoying this storyline and kind of where do you see it going? Um, well, I do kind of hope that as long as they continue to uh, keep it compelling, which I don't know, uh, I meant to share with you that um, apparently, and I don't, I don't know if I uh, actually read the full report that Alexa's actually asked for some time off, or maybe you had mentioned that to me before. So I don't know if she's going to continually be in or if she's going to disappear behind this and maybe Braun's true feeling come bubbling to the top, or he really continues with uh, going full heel. Now, you know how I feel about if he goes full heel, even if he's not being controlled, as long as he's just being uh, unleashed uh, upon the business, I'm still good with it. So, you know, The Fiend's already one of the most over characters. So when we get crowds back, uh, I imagine a quote-unquote face turn wouldn't hurt him too much. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that about Alexa. It, it can be e- easily written into the storyline because you can just have her disappear at the end of this match or in the, you know, last week leading up to it and then reappear however many weeks, you know, later with basically something to do with the storyline, probably with the fiend. Uh, so that's something, but I, I, I didn't get to talk to you about it when it happened. I love the segment two weeks ago with SmackDown and mm. the fiend actually attacking Alexa bliss. It was just shocking. Yes. I couldn't remember the last time I saw a shocking finish to, you know, raw or SmackDown, honestly. And, you know, for a man like the Fiend to get physical with Alexa Bliss, it was just something where I wanted to tune in the next week. Yeah, absolutely. I believe you and Sam did talk about having that great cliffhanger ending where we're just left like, crap, we got to hurry up and get to next week so we see what happens. It was it was really great. And, like, that was, like, one of the only things I had actually caught of uh, that previous week SmackDown. So Retribution, uh, the faction that we don't know a lot about, uh, did attack SmackDown to end the episode. They tore up the ring, to chainsaws to the uh, the ropes. They had <laughs> bats. They beat up the, uh, I guess you call them the NXT call-ups that are, you know, fans and, and attendance. And just honestly, it really – Reminded you of Nexus, which I believe was exactly 10 years ago. Uh, Sam, the last podcast, the Jim Cornette seven-year rule where, you know, sort of Matthew McConaughey from uh, True Detective, Life is a Circle. Um, Because we haven't talked about this. Where do you think this is going and who do you think is in this group? 
Um, we did get to touch on it uh, last week, and I'm still honestly not certain uh, who's in it. Um, I would like to see maybe someone like a Sami Zayn, but he's probably still out, I imagine, because of all this, you know, still sticking to his um, principles about, you know, staying safe. Uh, he would be a great face to see in there because you would definitely have a mouthpiece. Um, other than that, I really don't know, um, but I'm definitely excited to see the unmasking and maybe finally getting a little bit of as to the why this is happening. Yeah, they, they need to explain why soon because I've seen a lot of stuff on like social media and even in some uh, you know articles by wrestling writers that it, it just it appears like it's WWE's take on Nifa or, or Antifa, excuse me, or you know, and it, it's just a bad look to have a group burning stuff with the riots and everything going on. So uh, you know, throwing bricks through windows, and they just need to explain it because if not, it can seem insensitive. Yes, exactly, and you know, please give us some sort of motivation other than chaos because you know that chaos is only but so controlled and you know you're not actually going at anyone who can really give it to you you notice they were sure to not have anyone choked uh by their tie as we remember that that was what got daniel bryan fired and his next angle (laughs) when he was choking justin roberts during their kind of debut where they tore up the set uh one other thing before we move on from this is just that Ultimately, this storyline and the success of it is going to be determined by who the people in the group are, because if it's something really surprising or exciting, people are going to love it. If it's, you know, a disappointment or just kind of, eh, that's where people are probably going to really crap on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm hoping that at least one or two surprising enough faces to give a semi jaw drop or at least a audible gasp so i can't believe i'm gonna say this but you could argue that the feud of the year in wwe right now is sonya deville and mandy rose uh i will repeat that that sonya deville and mandy rose might be the feud of the year it has been consistently really good this has been going on since january uh and it's been really well written um you have they're still embroiled in a feud. It, it seems to intensify every time they get on TV together. On July 31st, DeVille targeted Rose's beauty seeking to strip away the only thing she was convinced Rose had to offer. Friday night, Rose exploded back onto the scene, scene sporting a shorter hairdo and beating the crap uh, out of Sonya. So intense was the brawl that you had heavy machinery, Ms. Morrison, the referee, like all these guys trying to break them up. I can't remember ever seeing that with two women. Eventually, Otis carried Rose out of the ring and it brought the battle to an end. This was not a typical, you know, cat fight that you see between two women on WWE television. It was personal. It was intense uh, and it was violent. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm really excited to see their match at SummerSlam. I think both of them deserve a ton of credit 
for the work they have put in, not only in the ring, but also their work on the mic, particularly Sonya, who has been just amazing. But I will say that Mandy has been very good here lately, too. So are, are you looking forward to this SummerSlam match? And do you understand where I'm coming from with saying this could be the feud of the year because it's lasted the entire, basically, calendar year? How can I not? Uh, you and I have gotten to talk about this at length for months. And yet, it does still continue to bring the sizzle. Like, I didn't know if Mandy was going to be out a week or whatever and like let that marinate a second, but I'm glad she exploded right back in. Uh, the haircut looks mm-hmm. phenomenal, by the way, which is yeah, a surprise. Say, I think she could have like, a shaved head and she'd be fine <laughs> that's probably true but um but but you're absolutely right too with sonia um with her on the dirt sheets um earlier in the show she has continued to be super impressive so whatever happens uh with the smackdown title picture i quite honestly think that once we get to that one of these two ladies should be um the SmackDown representative as to who's going to be the next challenger. Even if you're not going to put a title on them, they've put in great enough work this year to merit a title. Yeah, I think they would definitely deserve that reward. And um, honestly, I could see both of them eventually being women's champions. We know how high WWE is on Mandy Rose for a lot of reasons that we know WWE is high on certain women. And uh, not that she, again, she's improved and getting better. And obviously she has an amazing look. So, uh, and then Sonya, I can absolutely see as a heel champion uh, in the next year or two, or you could even go with the, you know, sort of anti-face uh, or, or tweener role for her. And I could also see the crowd getting behind her, but either way, they absolutely. deserve a lot of credit. Like a, like a exactly. But they deserve a lot of credit for the work they put in this year. And again, I think it's hard to argue that's not the feud of the year just because it's continued to build. The story's had a lot of twists and turns. So on Monday Night Raw, uh, one of the big storylines was Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy, excuse me, beating the living daylights out of Dominic Mysterio. We had a contract signing at first. It was between Rollins, Mysterio, and actually Samoa Joe was involved doing the commentary for it or the interviewing after the contract signing where Rollins said that he was going to basically destroy Mysterio and told him that he could bring his kendo stick with him to the ring. Rollins put away Humberto very quickly in a match, and then him and Buddy Murphy, like I said, just uncomfortably beat Dominic Mysterio, and when I say uncomfortably, I mean for the people watching, they also posted on Twitter and social media afterwards, the WWE did, the aftermath of it, which was just the whelps. Uh, It it almost looked like they were hazing Dominic, letting him earn his stripes in the WWE. I, I can't, though, just get excited about this SummerSlam match. Um I've told you how highly I think of Seth Rollins and and the year I think he's having. Uh, Sam did make a good point on the last podcast that, you know, it makes actually a lot of sense to have somebody like Seth Rollins to, you know, be Dominic's first partner and his his first big match on a big stage. 
because of how good he is in the ring and just his experience. And obviously it probably mean a lot to Seth to, you know, do that for Rey Mysterio, who I'm sure he's looked up to, but are, are you getting behind this match? Cause I actually think Dominic has done some good work. It's just hard to get excited for Seth Rollins. Who's taken on Brock Lesnar and John Cena's of the world at SummerSlam and, and Roman Reigns to be fighting Dominic Mysterio. It's really hard to. Um, I'm kind of happy that Seth put that stipulation in there. So they're kind of giving it an out. So if, in case maybe Dominic does get the upper hand, if it's going to be uh, no DQ or a kendo stick match or whatever the case may be. Like you said, though, uh, it did seem like a hazing. Those welts were not pretty to look at. But um, I, I do also uh, want to commend Dominic because, you know, he's for, for where he's at in his career that, you know, he's pretty much just starting and he's basically getting on the job training at this point. He's doing pretty good for himself. Unfortunately, it hasn't given me the excitement for this match that, that I would want. Like I, I still don't see any way. He stands a chance. Well, and you just made the point, and I hadn't thought about it, that if it is a no DQ, uh, no DQ I could totally see Ray Mysterio getting involved uh, and potentially, you know, making the save. Even though I believe he's technically not on contract, but uh, even if it's just for a one-off, I'm sure they could have him involved. So, Raw Underground Week 2. <laughs> Um, we, we no longer have the dancing girls, which I, I believe the PC police got that or social media, which I have no problem with. I didn't really understand in the first place, but it is interesting that this is where WWE, you know, listens to the crowd or the PC police and immediately just stops something. We had the introduction of Arturo Ruiz, who actually looked uh, really impressive. Again, this was in shoot style fighting, so I'm not sure how he will look in a WWE ring, but he did look impressive. And then the star of it was Shayna Baszler, who was the first woman we've seen on Underground in the two weeks. She took on three women at the same time, looked very impressive. We discussed that this could be something positive, WWE Underground, for building storylines, building up characters. Shayna would be a perfect fit for both of these. But I was really disappointed that we did not see the Hurt Business. We had discussed how we both loved how they took over WWE Underground in the first week. Uh, it was something for them without titles to kind of, you know, loom over, take control of, call their own. Were you surprised by that? And what did you think overall of week two of WWE Underground? Uh, outside of Shayna, I mean, don't get me wrong, Arturo Ruiz, Ruiz uh, however you pronounce it, he, w- he did look pretty good. That that was pretty impressive. Unfortunately, it didn't really give me the buzz this week that last week did. Uh, I was kind of hoping that the Hurt Business would continue uh, whatever they had started last week there. That would have been a little more exciting for me. Though, what they did with the um, situation with Apollo Crews during uh, – during the MVP lounge was, was pretty cool, you know, for what it was. Um, I'm still looking for them to hopefully push the envelope a little more, maybe uh, get a little more story building uh, this coming week. Um, other than that, um, it's, I'm trying not to go hard on it. I still want to give it another week or two, see if anything's going to start to develop before I really start talking negatively about it. 
Yeah, I, I've defended it pretty hard. And again, I, I'm still not, I have an open mind, but they have got to say why this is happening. What is going on? What is the intention? Because Sam again brought up this point on the last podcast to just give no explanation whatsoever for why this is even happening is just laziness because it could be a much better storyline if there was some kind of involvement with Shane McMahon, you know, fighting with the board of WWE. There's a million ways they could go with this, uh, but it just doesn't make much sense with it just being, we're going to spend 15, 20 minutes here. It's going to be just straight up shoot fighting and there's going to be no storyline basically whatsoever. Yeah. uh, I mean, give me, give me something. um, Hope, you know, uh, an exciting talent, uh, maybe the return of of one of our talents. Um, you know, like where where Mustafa Ali, of course, go to or something like that. G- give me something that's going to generate a buzz as to why I want to watch again next week. So we're all closed with the guy who it's hard to argue is not the best heel in the business right now. No offense to <laughs> Bailey, who I've I've been so high on and. Still, I think for the entire year, Bailey's work has been, you know, a little better quality. But Randy Orton, man, for like the last two months, uh, he's just on another level. And honestly, another level for his entire career. Um, he, de- mm-hmm. he defeated Kevin Owens in the main event. This was set up because Ric Flair had ran his mouth the week before uh, backstage And after the match, Orton asked Flair to stick around. They had a really great promo, which I'll go ahead and tell you is my promo of the week, um, where Orton told Flair that he's not the nature boy of old. He's he's not the guy that he was because the nature boy that he knew would have never gone in a coma. The nature boy that he knew would uh, have never died for a few seconds. Um, he said that, you know, you're a, a, an attention hog and that you were dead weight. And I mean, it, it was brutal and flared and basically begged him to cry. Uh, Flair to his credit gave a very touching response where he discussed that. Yes, he did have a coma. Yes, he did almost die. Yes, he uh, is an attention hog. What else is different? He's 71 years old and, you know, he's still on TV. That's pretty awesome. Um, but he also said that, you know, he loved his family and that was all that he wanted to do when he was in that coma for eight days was wake up and tell the people that he loved, he loved them. And that included Randy Orton, that he enjoyed being by his side. He wanted him to be the man to break his, not John Cena's 16 time world championship. So I mean, it, it was it was real, and it was really impressive. And it was what we were discussing at the beginning is this man's 71 years old, and we've seen a lot of wrestlers, including Flair, kind of lose their fastball as they get older, which is understandable when you don't do it on a regular basis, and plus just the fact that you're getting old. But, I mean, that, that promo got me. That was a mean splitter right man, there. Man, it got me, man. Like, it got me. Like, it really did. It tugged on the heartstrings, which wrestling does not do very often. And Orton and the despicable heel that he is hugged him and then gave him the low blow, which was so fitting uh, for it to be Ric Flair. He's given the low blow. And 
then punted him in the head, which again, let me just say, kudos to WWE for the way that they booked this and the way they shot it because I was terrified the entire time mm. this promo was going on. Oh my God, he's going to RKO Rick. Oh my God, he's going to punt Rick. And Flair in his condition, like he can't take it. He just can't. So it was very smart to do the low blow. It was even smarter with the angle with retribution to have the lights go out. Orton then punt him in quotations. Lights come back on. Flair's laid out. And then for McIntyre to come in, although I did get a kick of him just saying, you son of a bitch, you son of a bitch, you son of a bitch. I mean, he said it like (laughs) eight times. Uh, And a great stare down at the end of Raw. And I just, this was a great segment. This is two weeks in a row that either Raw or SmackDown have had a fantastic closing segment. And I'm really excited about Orton McIntyre. And I'm very curious to see where they go with Flair from here. Absolutely. Um, I, like you, uh, this this was hard not to be promo of the week. Um, uh, I mean, what more is there to say? I mean, I, I can't even measure, even if we were to go back to the Jericho and Cassidy uh, d- debate, quote unquote, that doesn't even compare to what these two dropped in there. I mean, Randy bared it all. He's like, the Ric Flair I know wouldn't need a pacemaker. So, of course, it made sense that he couldn't do the RKO. So, they, the low blow was absolutely perfect. Like, I, too, was actually getting a little kind of choked up. It's like, oh, damn, man. Why are you you're really going to do Rick like this on live TV? I'm like, you're a spot junkie, and all you want is the spotlight. Oh, man, it was fantastic and i loved absolutely loved how the blacked out lights so we missed the actual punt so it almost makes me wonder oh my god are they are they uh setting drew up because number one this is going to be a great match now i'm worried is the dirtiest player in the game did he teach the young did he teach the youth and they're gonna swindle the freaking championship out of drew because behind this I am totally, totally excited about all of this. So I had not even thought of that because all I was thinking of, well, the retribution angle is obviously why the lights turned out, but that would be brilliant. That would be the dirtiest player in the game. Uh, That would be, you know, a pretty fitting way for Randy Order to win, I believe it's what, 14th world title? Is that Mm -hmm. what they said? Um, I believe 14th, yes. Before we move on to the match of the week, storyline of the week, promo of the week, the offhand remark, there was two of them that were interesting from Flair. One was saying that Hogan called him last week, basically saying he was jealous that he was on Raw. And we know that Hogan (laughs) has been itching to get back. There's rumors right now of a Hogan-WrestleMania 37 match. And the other comment was the, I want you to break my... Record, record, not John Cena's, which I always thought Flair and Cena were close. Maybe it was written in, but just to me, that seemed like a direct line from Ric Flair, the man, not Ric Flair, the character. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely caught that. That was like one of the many, like I had to, was really hanging on to every single word 
the way that Randy started off chopping him down. So four years. And when he, when Rick was like, I want you to t- beat my record, not Cena. Ooh. Ooh, that's exactly how I responded. Like, oh. So the fact that he threw that in was just the cherry on, on this beautiful Sunday. They, they just put it. And all, well, I, I may not be able to say all time, but considering the the who's and the why's and the ages, it could be an all time freaking promo right there. No, it it'll be memorable. I mean, obviously, where it will be in, you know, your memory long term is going to be where's the payoff. But this part of it was was fantastic. It was well done by all parties, including Drew McIntyre. If he just wouldn't have said so many times, "You son of a bitch." Um, so we both went over the promo of the week, Orton and Flair. We don't have to go over that again. Let's go to the match of the week. Mine was easy. It was Bailey Oscar for an opportunity for Oscar to face Sasha at SummerSlam uh, from the start of the match where coming down to the ring, the disgust on Bailey's face, again, you know, putting more seeds of doubt in between Bailey and Sasha. As Bailey was really upset, you could tell that Sasha volunteered her for this match. Um, the, the match was fast paced back and forth, just really great work. The sunset flip powerbomb by Bailey that was, was beautiful and just so well done. Um, the elbow drop that she hit off the top for the really close two account was particularly brutal. I mean, Oscar did not move until she hit her. Uh, and then the, the finish where Oscar countered into her submission move as, Bailey was mocking Carrie Sane. So now you have Sasha versus Asuka for the women's title. And then actually something we forgot to talk about earlier on the SmackDown side, Bailey, there's going to be a, it's going to be a battle Royal on Friday between NXT SmackDown and raw participants for the right to face Bailey. But Bailey has just been so good. And, you know, we always talk about Asuka's matches with Becky, Asuka's matches with Charlotte, Asuka's matches, matches with Sasha. This match was as good as any of them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, Asuka's just been phenomenal just this entire year. You know, I, I'm going to not do my best not to fanboy over her, but she's just getting better and better at the way she tells her stories and the way she slapped in that Oscar lock in the end, uh, particularly after the mock, it, it's just been great. So whether, I mean, you know me, I, I want Oscar to get some gold back around her waist, but as long as she's hanging around the title picture, um, I'm, I'm extremely happy about what they got going on. And I'm sure her and uh, Sasha are going to put up an excellent match at SummerSlam. So before we get your match of the week with the battle role being for the right to face Bailey, all three brands, where are they going with this contender? Who do you think it's going to be? Um, I hope it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I hope that uh, either Mandy or Sonya, um, and I guess with, but then again, I guess those ladies have to finish what they, what they've started. So I guess they can't quite do that. So it's really hard for me to pick, uh, who will be um, the contender? Uh, uh, the way I would see it right now, I, I would think it has to be Shayna Baszler. 
Is there any chance Charlotte Flair returns Friday and wins that spot? Uh, I don't know. Although, you know, in as much as, you know, we get upset about her consistently hanging around and being in the picture, I mean, she's... Oh, you can't tell me. Yeah, we'd be excited about Charlotte Bailey and, you know, Asuka Sasha at SummerSlam, for sure. Totally. What was your match of the week? Uh, Mine was the same. Like, how, how can you go wrong? Uh, I, I was really, like, upset when, you know, you sent me this. It's like, you know, maybe one of these weeks they'll give us something where there's more than one viable choice for each of them because the ones that we choose just are head and shoulders above everything else. I will say that I was really close to taking Darby Allen Moxley match, mm-hmm. the main event on Wednesday, uh, but – I, I just – I really did enjoy this bailey Oscar match. I think it was Bailey's best match on regular TV and maybe Oscar's as well. And that's really hard to say too. <laughs> yep. So last thing for the storyline of the week, for me, it's the Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho. We discussed this a little bit last week about how the promo just – it hit the right notes. Cassidy was uh, really good. I mean, we didn't even know he could talk, and he's talking about – you know, saving the environment. Uh, Jericho was his typically, you know, great self. And I just think that they're playing this right. I know that some people did not like when Cassidy did not go over in their first match. And I'm going to say it again. I actually think Cassidy may not go over again on Wednesday. I think that they are saving Cassidy's big win for the pay-per-view in September. And either way, whether he goes over you know, Wednesday night, tomorrow night, or whether he goes over in September at the pay-per-view. They've played this the right way. It's making him a big star by having a prolonged feud with Chris Jericho, which, honestly, no one that I can remember has been feuding with him individually for this long. Maybe Cody. I don't remember how many weeks that went. Uh, But, you know, the Moxley was pretty much immediately where they set it up. Two weeks later, they had the match, or three weeks later. Um, and it's just going to make Cassidy a big star, and I can't wait to watch these guys go again in the ring. What is your storyline of the week? Yeah, um, I, I'm with you for pretty much almost all. Really surprised me, like we had talked about last week, with the fact that um, he not only spoke but blew my blew our minds when he did so, and then almost breaking kayfabe, like you're you're having a you're you're having a debate with a guy who doesn't talk. What kind of sense does that make? Like he hit all the points where it was like I was really floored. So it was really hard to to top that one. Um, do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, just my usual uh, harvestcreditors.com. Um, we are still striving for twenty thousand families in twenty in twenty home. I'm sorry. 20,000 families in homes for 2020. Uh, if you need any problems getting anything negative removed on your credit report, get at me, Ronell Tinsley on Facebook, official Ronell Tinsley on Instagram. And one last thing, uh, happy birthday, Papa Fleming. Oh, appreciate that. Uh, it was my hey, he's a fellow birthday legal. on Sunday. Fel- he, he looked good with the belt on, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> Uh, I actually got my dad to wear while he was grilling the other day the uh, winged uh, eagle belt. So uh, if you follow me on Facebook, uh, you get to see that, which was uh, pretty fantastic. I just want to plug real quickly the IB uh, Podcast Network. Um, We had the 
um, PGA Championship preview for the backdoor cover with me and Alan, and actually Scott Porter, who did the two off the tee podcast with me for uh, a couple of years. And then uh, we also had the NBA show, uh, had a new episode last Tuesday where they talked about Luca Harden, the best teams in the uh, bubble so far. And they will be doing another podcast this week. Uh, so will me and 